netcasting from Chicago, Los Angeles, and Sydney. You're listening to this week's FX Podcast from FXGuide.com. Thanks for joining us for this FX Podcast. The FX Podcast is where we talk one-on-one with top visual effects artists doing cutting-edge work. We dig deep into the technical side, advance the craft of visual effects, and pay respect to the hardworking people creating amazing work. Be sure to check out all of our podcasts at fxguide.com slash podcasts. Our podcast today is focused on project management and pipeline a subject that is near and dear to my heart. I'm a self-professed database nerd. Even in Lightroom, I consider it as much a way for me to tag things and act as a database to index information about photos as much as a creative tool. So Mike and John would say that I'm a bit of a tag whore, a bit of tag, tag obsessed. And in my early days, I spent far too many hours in FileMaker Pro trying to make information shareable and standard everywhere I worked. Well, Shotgun, as we all know, is kind of the big daddy, sophisticated, grown-up, proper version of that, and it's in use in like 400 shops around the world. When I walk into a room and see a whiteboard or a bulletin board with post-its all over it, or scenes all over it, I immediately think, these people just don't have a handle on the technology. I see it as a quality clue. Why is that not a monitor with a view to a database? Well, and you also might not think that Shotgun is the kind of thing we would do a course on over at FXPHD, but Shotgun is so important in our industry that we did a Shotgun 101 course in our January term, and it's available still as a vault course. So if you haven't checked out our sister site, FXPHD, in a while, I would recommend going there and checking out our courses and link to see the variety of the courses we offer. It's a great lineup with great professors and resources. So in today's podcast, we wanted to kind of go behind the announcement and talk with some big users of Shotgun to see how they use it and how they feel about the announcement of the acquisition. You can read all about the details of that on our story on FX Guide. This is our attempt to get some context to this change. We have three guests joining us today, so I'll introduce them in the order you're going to hear them. First up is visual effects supervisor Ben Grossman. He's the co-founder of a new company, Magna Opus. Ben has been visual effects supervisor on many films, including Star Trek Into Darkness and winning the Oscar, of course, for Hugo. I mention these two in particular because they involve spanning multiple facilities around the world, the kind of thing that Shotgun is built for, and it's really hard to do with whiteboards. Secondly, we'll chat with Mike Romy, who's the Zoic head of pipeline. He's been using Shotgun since the beginning, almost eight years, and has a very elaborate system set up there that branches into areas you may not have even thought of. If you're a Flame user, you'll be interested in his comments on that, too. And our final guest will be Lincoln Wallen, CTO at DreamWorks Animation. So let's jump in now with our podcast. Here's Mike Seymour speaking with Ben Grossman. Thanks, Jeff. And as you heard Jeff say, we have three amazing uh, people to talk to. These are, I think, really good views because they represent that of a visual effects supervisor, a studio that's doing major feature film work, and a studio doing major episodic work. Um, in the case of uh, Mike Romy, I mean, he is 
I guess one of the biggest power users I know of Shotgun. Really talented guy. Well, they're all talented individuals. Um, but the work that Zoic's doing is just mind-blowing. I've visited there recently for FX Guide. I just couldn't believe how far they integrated things uh, with Shotgun, as you'll hear in a minute. But we'll start by talking to Ben Grossman, Oscar-winning visual effects supervisor and somebody who is really good at assessing technology both today and how it needs to develop into the future. So Ben, you've actually been using Shotgun in production. How how critical is production management to the actual concept of being able to do good visual effects? So I want to actually link those two. Is it you know, do you get good visual effects because you have good production management or is it just uh if you don't you go out of business? Well, I it, it's kind of uh there's no question that both of those two things are true. And at various times in my life, I've felt more strongly about one or the other. And these days, I feel like they, they work very much in harmony. It, early in my career, I was drained to the bone to do 600 visual effect shots because we were managing them with postcards and post-it notes and printouts on the wall and Sharpies and markers. And over time, with larger projects, I've started to find that it's actually easier to be able to do an 1,800-shot show or a 1,000-shot show with um, with less effort than what it used to take to produce a 600-shot show just from a production management standpoint. And obviously, the over-the-horizon foresight of knowing what's coming down the road, knowing what the current status of everything is without spending so much time trying to figure all that stuff out allows you to make changes which have a positive impact on the film. From a, from a creative perspective, I remember early in my career I was asked by another visual effects supervisor, why do you spend so much damn time on production management? Because that's production's job. Just let them do that stuff and you should just concentrate on creative. And I had to think about it for a while and I realized it's because bad production management and bad project management robs me of the opportunity to make great creative because creative can be about iterations. It can be about the time to think about whether or not something is the right thing and the ability to connect lots of complicated things in a simple way. So it's bad production management or poor production management that, that ties, it handcuffs you. It takes away your creative ability to freely move in whatever direction might need to be there. So I feel like Shotgun kind of introduced a revolution because there were a lot of companies that were trying to make project management adapted from other industries to work in ours. But Shotgun was the, the first um, you know, publicly available and widely available and widely supported tool that allowed us to simplify what we were doing without sacrificing any of the power that comes from the complexity or the, the very technical integration and details so that creatively you could look at an entire show instead of walking around a room full of printouts and posters and you could make sweeping, bold, creative moves and decisions with significantly less effort. Yeah, I think one of the things that um, became apparent to me from my days in production and as times moved on is the notion of course correction. Um, like everybody thinks they're in a speedboat, they're actually in a, in a super tanker. And the trouble with the super tanker is if you want to turn it, you have to know that you want to turn it about an hour or three before you want it to turn because of just its momentum. In a speedboat, you can just respond. And the trouble is with production management is if you only ever look at the project in a post-mortem, it's too late. You need to be able to kind of bring all of that into production. And I used to think it was clever if we had a good post-mortem. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, but one of the things that I think shotguns, you know, is facilitating is actually just being more aware of what the hell's going on now, as opposed to what was, what was the thing that happened on that last project six months ago. Yeah, exactly. I mean, simple things like dailies. Like we used to do dailies, and it was like a big ceremony. We will have dailies on Thursdays and you know, or Tuesdays and Fridays because that's when we can get film back from the lab. So we'll send our film outs at this time, and then the film will come back, and we'll put it in the screening room, and we'll have a projectionist there, and we'll all look at it. And and dailies was you know then it became digital. It was like ooh, now we have digital dailies, and so we can actually do dailies every morning at ten o'clock. And on the last two projects that I worked on we didn't have dailies at all because we realized we didn't need dailies because shotgun had allowed us to set up a system whereby any artist in the five different countries where I was having work done could submit a shot and say, this is for Ben's review. And, you know, I would come back from lunch or I would sit down at my desk and there would always be a page that was updating and it would show me the quick time automatically transferred across the world to my local desktop. So it played in real time and it would say, here is my question. Can you give me an answer? And I could provide feedback. And this might be an artist in China or an artist in Germany asking for feedback that he could potentially, time zones permitting, get within five minutes and as opposed to the traditional method, which would have been, well, you'll be lucky to get that note the following day by the same time because it will have been reviewed in morning dailies and then someone will have typed up notes. It's like with Shotgun now, you can you can even set it up so that you're just watching other work get created so that even if it hasn't been submitted for your review pending their approval and all that kind of jazz, you could just see and say, you know what, I see what you're doing and – and I think that this is admirable, but that part's going in the wrong direction. So let me just give you a quick course correction because that particular thing is time sensitive. And you might just have a simple way of saying, show me a, a thumbnail of this entire sequence. And then you realize, oh, you know what? Without having someone ask me, I can now discover that a decision I made a week ago is now no longer relevant on this shot and that shot. So we should actually change those before it becomes a problem. Mm. So if I... Uh, and, I, and I know this to be the fact that you like shotgun. I guess that the sixty-four thousand dollar question is: with this acquisition with Autodesk, does that mean that you are fearful of the future of shotgun, or you think it's a good idea, or you're in wait and see? You know, we are as visual effects artists. We are constantly in the trenches and under heavy enemy fire, and we're frequently yelling on the radio calling in for air support and shotgun has been remarkable at providing that air support and improving you know our sort of reality the the thing that i think that if i was to ever criticize anything about shotgun it's that our industry and 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 in their implementation hasn't had the financial wherewithal to support the amount of development that we really need to move as fast as we need to I mean, the industry moves very quickly. There are more than 400 visual effects companies at the high level cranking out amazing work on on billions of dollars worth of movies. And the notion that all of them can be supported by a handful of extremely talented guys at one company is just ludicrous. Because when you go and you look at the workload that they have and you look at the potential and the possibility that they themselves say, look, we could totally do this, but we have to prioritize what we're doing right now. When I first heard about the Autodesk relationship, I immediately just thought, okay, now there's all this stuff that we've desperately wanted 
but have had to sacrifice that we could now potentially have. And so it's kind of like being in the trenches and getting shot at and then hearing over the radio, hey, boys, we just got three times as many planes and artillery and we're flying in heavy and now we're able to do all those things that we told you were going to take years or months before. And so, so the real trick, though, is we all know what happens because we're in the visual effects industry and we've all experienced you know, takeovers and buyouts of various amazing and great tools that have subsequently ended up on a shelf going nowhere. And so I, I, you know, I would be foolish to say that there wasn't uh, moments of hesitation where I thought, well, could that same thing happen with shotgun? I am, I am pretty, I'm absolutely confident that if Don Parker's vision prevails and the proof will be in the pudding, but if Don Parker's vision prevails and the shotgun team is, is supported and Autodesk brings their expertise to the table and doesn't, uh, and then the, the company or the product doesn't find itself in a new direct, a radical direction change. But if the roadmap that those guys have been on is able to continue, then what they're going to execute is going to be fantastic because it's going to bring things that I didn't expect to see until 2018 into the end of 2015 or 2016, which Yeah, I mean, I, I have no insight into the financials, but it seemed to me that Shotgun had got onto a good financial footing when it started you know, implementing a system that gave it a regular cash flow with subscription type, you know, so it was a good business model. So I think one of the things one has to look at is why companies do things. Like if somebody's doing something because, let's face it, Don wants out and the company's in financial hardship, then it doesn't matter whether you sell it or not. You didn't just change the fact that the business isn't healthy. It doesn't feel like Shotgun is broken, so I don't feel like they're selling. And I, I honestly don't know, but it doesn't feel like they're selling because of an emergency. And if they're not selling because of an emergency and they're selling to get more, uh, to get into an environment where they've got more resources, then that seems like a good reason to do something, right? I think I think the motivation of why something happens is, you know, is incredibly important in these things. Well, absolutely. I mean, I unless you know something I don't, my belief is that that the reason Don Parker's doing this is because he wants the future to be happening faster than he knows it's going to happen based on the resources that he has. I mean, that's just a reality. And I've had enough conversations with him to feel confident that he's like, I believe in that. I believe that we need to do all these things, even to a point of, of, you know, you'd be surprised at how a product like shotgun can have a positive impact on the financial health of the visual effects industry, the vendors, the individuals working at home, freelancers, the efficiency that comes from project management like that and and deep level integration with all the tools and all the stuff that you use and and cloud-based collaboration it enables new business models and more efficient business models for the existing visual effects companies who would use it don parker sees that but knows that you can't like how do you put a a ton of money into um developing a, a new model of of change or a new capability for an industry that fundamentally has no money i mean you can't you can't it's like it's like tough it's like how do you sell services to visual effects people that have no money it's like why would you do that they have no money and so it's been an amazing accomplishment that he's been able to go as long as he has and as solidly as he has supporting as many people as he has at such a relatively reasonable price point for what you're getting. So the idea in this particular case of saying, okay, we're broadening the capabilities of shotgun, but we're also broadening the capabilities of the tools that shotgun works with and that Autodesk creates because, you know, a significant majority of the tools that we use in visual effects come from Autodesk. Yep. 
and if we're we're if we're killing two birds with one stone here, it's hard to it's hard to see a way we're going to lose. Yeah, the only thing I think that we need to keep an eye on, and I mean, again, I have no, you know, you can't possibly know this, but the the only thing is, I've welcomed how open Shotgun, and let's face it, Don is the voice and face of Shotgun. How open they've been, and obviously, big publicly traded companies aren't known for their openness. Um, and and I guess that's the thing that I'll be keeping an eye on, making sure that there's still that pretty open dialogue because, you know, it is the case that you can caught behind a publicly listed company not being able to talk about anything without kind of 15 levels of approval. But um, I don't know you can do much about that other than just, you know, sort of say, Wait, hey, see. yeah, no, I was going to say and, and, and say to them, hey, don't stop talking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, look, I, I have every reason to believe that, that – um, that Don is going to stand by this and make sure that it works. And I have every reason to believe that the talented people that I know that are at Autodesk are going to ensure that that's able to happen. You know, if it, if it slips behind the veil of a large faceless corporation and they try to adapt it into a, a you know, a, some sort of product that allows people to organize their home photos better in order to appeal to a broad market, well, then we've all, we've all just experienced a huge loss. But I really believe that the people that I know that are involved in this project on both sides of the fence are committed to the same goal and that I think that the interests are aligned enough on Autodesk's side to believe that that by supporting the further development of Shotgun, they're actually enabling features upgrades for their existing product line so that they're not just like going to look at Shotgun and say, well, we need to squeeze more, squeeze more revenue out of that, but they're also going to be able to enhance or broaden the accessibility of their current product line to allow more people to um, to want to use the software that they have. Yeah, and I, and I said it gets down to motivation, right? Like you would go in and want to fix something that was broken. If something isn't inherently broken when you're going in in the sense that, and I don't think Shotgun as a company is broken. So, but if it, if it was, then you'd have a mandate to say, well, we need to change this because you're hemorrhaging and you, you know, it's a nightmare. I think one of the strengths of Shotgun is this really serious dialogue with the customers. And so if you're spending money to buy something, you want to keep it successful. And therefore, you tend to look for the things that made it successful and make sure those don't go away as opposed to forcing them to go away. So I think, I think the logic is there just to, to keep them in that kind of very open kind of zone. I think it's a risk, but I think it's the, you know, the logic of it is that they should and will sort of continue in that kind of vein. Well, it's not just that, it's not just that I'm hoping for good things to come to the, you know, the additional development resources that Shotgun's going to have access to. But frankly, I mean, I know this from software development that I've been involved in in the past. As soon as you have to go to a major company that has like large established product lines, you start working with the product teams and you start having exposure to the developers themselves. There's a huge difference between out to between being outside of the company and being inside of the company. And and frankly, there are a lot of things that a lot of people have wanted for years between Maya and Max and all the other amazing Autodesk tools that, frankly, I think the proximity of the guys at Shotgun who have a very on-the-ground, real-world, you know, they know the problems that they're having because they're watching everybody have them. You know, it's not like they're just, oh, well, we're doing service and support for this particular product. No, they're watching how all these products connect and what everybody's doing with them. And I think that just in terms of simple things like, why is it that I still can't open a Maya scene or a Max scene in Max or Maya? 
and vice versa, like moving models and textures and things like that back and forth. When you start talking about these applications working together, that's the kind of exposure that Shotgun's going to have inherently because they're going to be showing dependencies between these assets and how they relate and how they're collaborated. So they're going to be right there to be able to say, hey, you know what? All of our users are having this problem, so let me at least send that to the right department. So I would hope that there would also be some positive change for the Autodesk tools that everybody is using merely well, from that. Yeah, and I think the other thing that, that is playing well into this space is that rather than us all centralizing onto one thing, what I'm noticing with a lot of pipelines, and I think you've probably seen the same thing, is like, you know, you do have a Max and Maya it, that's rendering in V-Ray and in, you know, RenderMan and in Arnold and, you know, is involving uh, Houdini for this stuff. And it's like there's a lot of different tools that you're having to bring to the problem, a lot of different artists with different skill sets. It's not like there is a simple pipeline. It's a very adaptive thing. And with that in mind, you you desperately need something to help, you know, bend and and, uh, and shape production as it uh, as shots go through those pipelines it's a it's a difficult problem it just needs a lot of help and frankly you know it's an area of concern for me about this acquisition or this deal but it's also it's also you know an area of like hope and opportunity i mean the possibility exists that a company like autodesk would say well we don't want you shotgun to aggressively support a an outside company that makes a product that competes with one of ours um, you know, like to say Autodesk was to come out with a version of Photoshop or something like Photoshop. Well, we wouldn't want Shotgun to stop supporting Photoshop in the interest of supporting Autodesks because we need both of those tools, whatever they are, to work in harmony together. And so, so I, I guess I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that that what's good for the industry will be what's good for Shotgun and what's good for Autodesk, and that none of that kind of um, that sort of market force manipulation might happen as a result of this. But I, my understanding of it is very clearly, very firmly, and very resoundingly that Shotgun will continue to support aggressively all of the software and applications that, uh, that the visual effects industry and the related industries require, not just uh, Autodesk products. But our hope would be that uh, Autodesk products will get better as a result of this. Yeah. Well, look, thanks so much for taking time to uh, sort of frankly discuss the issues. We do appreciate it, Ben. Thanks. My pleasure, Mike. In a moment, we'll talk to Lincoln Wallen, who is DreamWorks Animation CTO. But first, I want to follow up with Mike Romy. Mike is, as I said before, in charge of the pipeline at Zoic. And they've, through the API of the stuff that Shotgun has delivered, they've managed to, I think, push uh, pipeline uh, with Shotgun in ways that I don't think even Shotgun knew it could be done. So his opinion is both that of a sort of a big user of the product, but also somebody that really understands it from a coding point of view. And I think this is important because there's a very distinctive style to the way that Shotgun has developed over the years in terms of its, uh, well, basically its coding methodology for software. So Mike, talk to us about the implementation of Shotgun at Zoic, because you guys seem to use it a lot. Yeah, yeah, we do it. We do it quite a bit. You know, I would venture to say we probably have one of the most tightly integrated version integrations of Shotgun um, out of all the clientele. You know, we've been using Shotgun for close to six years now, or seven years uh, at Zoic. I've been using for ten or eleven years. No, eight years. They've only been around eight years. Um, and uh, at Zoic, we we have things from time cards to actuals to financials to render statistics and uh, storage management, license management, vaulting in our depot, 
every core of our de- deployment of shotgun is tied into how we manage the facility, including how everyone gets paid. We have it tied into ADP. Wow. It's, re- it's really, really, really awesome, and it, it's really helpful, and uh, we've grown with them through the years. Yeah, it seems to me that uh, because of the nature of uh, a lot of the work that you do, it's it's a less a little less like you have sort of one individual that is across everything because everything is a series of things and needs a series of people. And unless you've got some kind of coordinated production tracking kind of management system, you just literally couldn't do it. Well, before we had before we did shotgun, what we had was, you know, think of it like centralized storage, you know. Small boutiques who can't afford centralized storage, they suffer. They have a database here, a database there, and all these different databases that all don't cross-communicate. So over the last few years, what we've been doing is just kind of saying, okay, we've got to centralize all the information. And then we built you know, a bunch of lightweight wrapper tools that are accessible to TDs to kind of give them access to you know, data, the information they need. And we built a lot of really nice sophistications around it. Anyways, so that's, that'd be my take on it. <laughs> so uh, you're a really good person to ask the question as to what you think about this uh, Autodesk move. And, uh, you know, I mean, obviously you're pretty close to Shotgun. You need to be because you guys have mm-hmm. done so much um, API kind of stuff off the back end. But mm-hmm. uh, what's your reading? You know, I, I, uh, we're all we're always nervous, you know, when um, uh, the, it, the, it grows that big. But um. I think it's a good thing. You know, we've when we started with Shotgun, you know, we said we need X, Y, and Z. And they said, you, you know, we want to, we'd love to help you. There's things that we can do that's in our roadmap. There's things that we have to wait to be on our roadmap. And we were always on the perimeter of what was on the roadmap. And we ended up doing things, you know, leapfrogs ahead of them, time cards, reporting, charting, things like that. And after a while, we were just like, we're on an island where what we're not getting is, um, the, you know the features that we need, um, and um, I think having having them have access to a bigger development team means that they're able to kind of service uh, you know a broader market, and um, you know we're really excited to see the possibilities of performance increases and um, tools that may not have been justifiable in their roadmap given their size of the the team, that the growth would kind of yield um, some great benefits. Uh, to our facility so that um, we don't have to roll our own. What we found is is that, um, you know, a lot of times we were rolling our own, you know, functionality to X, and then, you know, a year later or two years later, uh, Shotgun would roll it out. So we're hoping that now, you know, we have to do less of that, you know, that, and it lets us focus on the things that aren't necessarily part of our road, the roadmap. What I mean by that is, is that, um, you know, we do a lot of virtual production. And that's a specialized process, and, and we've built specialized a pipeline to kind of manage that. And we couldn't have done, we can't do the types of deliveries that we do in these types of shows with virtual production without Shotgun. Um, and by having a bigger team at Shotgun to handle the general nuts and bolts of the process, it frees us to focus on unique pipelines and unique processes uh, that use Shotgun, um, uh, but may not be part of the roadmap. And, you know, virtual production is one one aspect of it. Another kind of aspect of how we've tied into Shotgun is, you know, gaming. You know, we're building our own game 
casual game, and what we've done is we've built a back end that uses shotguns to deploy assets. And it's you know it's not it's a non-traditional usage case for shotgun, but the point is is it's a database. It's a database. Most of our artists, producers, and management know it's a, a fairly accessible API, um, and we're able to kind of utilize that and, and leverage that experience within the facility to kind of broaden the scope of the type of projects that we do and how we integrate with Shotgun because of it. So the hope is is that it gets more and more flexible because of the growth and we see you know better return of our commitment to Shotgun over time. So here's a long-winded question for you. I mean, in uh, like 2001, I think it was, the Agile Manifesto stuff came out, which is in the software movement, the whole sort of idea of Agile software development. And it mm-hmm. kind of developed, and there were various tools, and, and Shotgun adopted it, and I think particularly they adopted the Scrum software development approach. It's, very, it's iterative, it's incremental, it's um, yep. very quick turnovers. None of those things um, have, uh, you know, like uh, really sort of failed in the field. It's gone from like theory to practice, and it's worked well. And uh, Shotgun's about, you know, one of the best examples of just a company that's got this very iterative, uh, incremental kind of approach. And... Mm-hmm. You guys have benefited from that. But I have to say, if you were to ask me point blank, I wouldn't have said Autodesk screams Agile. Um, <laughs> you worried that you're going to get into a sort of like once every year kind of release cycle? Because honestly, I've got to say, that isn't the case with what we've had up until now with, auto, uh, with um, Shotgun. Shotgun's like releases every bloody I'll quarter. be honest. We're an anomaly here. From our perspective, what we need, because we're on our own server, what we need is a bigger team to help support us. Uh, we're not the um, the typical shotgun facility, you know, because in in our case we have our own dedicated server, and this means they have a you know they have a bit broader, bigger DevOps team to help kind of deploy those, you know, ten and ten, you know, Scrum agile deployments. So I'm I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, because it's it's an interesting thing, isn't it? I mean, in one sense, uh, you might think, or one might think, if if a company gets bigger, it means it's harder to get stuff. But by the same token, you make a valid point, which is there are just actually more resources to service, you know, problems yeah. and stuff. My understanding on the deal, and I, you know, I don't know much in the way of the deal, but my understanding in the deal is is that, you know, Shotgun will retain, will will continue to maintain, you know, the direction and steer the course for the development. And Autodesk is in to help, you know, provide sales resources and extended development resources. So that's, yeah. that's kind of what I got from from Dan, from Don. And to me, that's a win-win because I want to see Don and I want to see the shotgun team be the one leading the charge on what the roadmap is and and, and listening to the people as they have for years because they're, they're incredibly good at, you know, listening to their um, to their clients and trying to take the sum of all of them to kind of give a roadmap. The problem is is that the sum of them have grown greater than they're able to support. And, and to, to that matter, I think that this is a great opportunity for them to, to be able to kind of give a broader roadmap to, you know, the broader scope of their, you know, um, clientele. I guess that the only thing that we have to... Uh, so not query, but think about is that if they are appealing to a broader audience, um, I mean, that almost by definition is a change in focus. But then by the same token, you're not as narrowly focused as 
maybe once you i mean you're discussing games for example right i mean that's really interesting that you're doing games and episodic television and a bunch of other stuff and apps too you know ios apps through it as well you know we have the zoo scout zeus track we showed you that before all those assets are deployed indirectly through shotgun staged and then uploaded to a back end as a service to be able to access on the ios device it's really unique. You know, I can tell you a few, a few other really unique case scenarios where, where I've used Shotgun. I'm also a VES uh, uh, co-chair on the awards committee. Yep. And the VES uses Shotgun to do the awards uh, committee process. So we vet all the entries through Shotgun, and it's just an, a unique way to do it. The thing I, I'd like to point out is, is that, you know, a lot of people don't have, you know, big dozens of teams of developers, nor do we. Um, and when people want to have a pipeline, the best thing they can do is have tools at their disposal that handle the broader processes that, are, that have commonalities across you know, various pipelines so that they can focus on the narrower parts of the pipeline that are you know, intellectual property, specific to how they work. It doesn't but for whatever reason, they're very specific about how they want to operate. And to us, that's always been the plus on side of shotguns. So my point is is that the, the bigger they're able to get to kind of handle the broader scope of all of these different pipelines, the more value it adds to us so that we can do what we really love to get our meat hooks on, and that's those really meaty processes that are, are very unique to you know how we work. And, and it allows us you know, as developers to do more. It allows us as a facility to do more and quicker. We end up being more agile because, you know, we're not writing a tool to manage notes or writing a tool to manage, you know, uh, crew planning. You know, we tried writing a tool to do crew planning, and then they came up with a crew planning app. So we're like, okay, let's, let's work with them. Let's really kind of get this crew planning working so that we don't have to keep maintaining something so generic like a crew planning app in which the broader, you know, population of shotgun users or production management users alone would benefit from that, right? Yeah. You know, or a good, another good example is think of, you know, um, client-facing, you know, note input. I don't really want to write my own web service for clients to log in to see notes of versions and make comments on notes. I want to build tools that say, these are the ones that are approved, do these fancy things with Hero, then process it and deliver it here, X, Y, Z, da, 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 do all those things that have all the magic behind the, behind the scenes. But, but, yeah, but that also begs the question, right? Because, I mean, I, you know, as I said, like... Uh I'm trying to be as critical about this as, as we can. And, and I really am interested in your opinion. But, I mean, you use Hero like no one I know. But Hero's a, <laughs> Hero's a foundry product. and This is an Autodesk acquisition. I, I get it. You feel okay with that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, basically, what I've always said is, is that the one common thread between the pipeline and all these tools that threads them all together, there's two actually common threads. One is Python and the other is PySight or QT, really, right? That's the commonality. As long as, you know, all of the tools that we use in production, you know, share those resources, I don't find that one overlaps or oversteps its bounds to the other, right? Because Python is the glue that allows us to bind our pipeline and our processes to to Maya and back to our production management system. And all of these tools have it. And to me, that's... That's that's what makes the toolkit really exciting, the pipeline toolkit, and that's what 
you know, doesn't scare me whether it's Autodesk or, or the Foundry, um, you know, in this scenario. You know, that's where I come from. That, that's my opinion yeah. there. Yeah, I mean... You know, another thing, too, that, is, that I've always kind of had, when had discussions with the Autodesk when they come here. You know, we have a bunch of flame bays. And I'm like, I'm like why is my flame bay always an island for a pipeline? You know, maybe this is the great opportunity for commercial, a commercial department to have the type of pipeline that, you know, the features and the episodic guys have. Right. So... I'm uh, hopeful. <laughs> and there's a... There are, I, you know, don't get me wrong. I've always felt that, like our... The way that we deal with flame and the way that they... Inter- the way that it interacts with, you know, our pipeline has been an island. This is a great yeah. opportunity to bridge that gap. When I talk about umbrelling you know, a pipeline and all the different aspects of databases together. That's one of them in our facility. We have a commercial department and, and more or less, you know, it's less, it's less tightly integrated when it comes to our, our flame and finishing bays than I'd like it to be. You know, so I see that is a great opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that there are definitely more benefits in pulling stuff together. Um, as we move forward, because it really is like pipeline is the secret to actually staying in business rather than just so. a, a clever button or a clever tool here or there. Um, yeah, I think so. It's uh, it's such a job to manage the process um, that anything that you can do in that respect is is so important. Yeah. You know, the other, the other thing, too, to keep in mind is that Autodesk has relationships with a lot of peripheral vendors, software vendors, you know, so... You know, the, what's the impact there? You know, I, I, I let's see if I can come up with one. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just want. I, I'd love to have. I like. I'd love to see some the shotgun team have resources out and, and time and energy to kind of pursue avenues outside of just you know the typical, you know, production workflow. What about on set? You know. Now there's more people, so maybe there's an opportunity to, to talk about how do we get mobile shotguns, shotguns that can be live and breathe with us on set and be able to communicate with us while we're in production on set. Does that mean? Well, while we're talking about our wish list of things we'd like the guys mm-hmm. to get to with their increased R&D resources, um, how do you mm-hmm. feel about asset management? Because I think both inside Autodesk and even to a certain side inside Shotgun, it's the um, the elusive beast that for years has like plagued us to get a kind of yeah. mega solution. Yeah. You know, that was actually the first thing that we built, you know, you know, a very ad hoc, I mean, very, very rudimentary asset manager. That's one of the first things we built six or seven years ago in terms of managing, you know, which assets we're using. And that's what we've been doing with shotgun for a long time. You know, I've seen a lot of asset managers come and go and I think it's awesome. I think the toolkit, you know, bridges that gap. We don't use the toolkit, but a lot of the tools that we built in place kind of mirror some of the similar functionalities. I love seeing other people have access to tools like the toolkits, and I love comparing what we're doing to what they're doing and maybe even depreciating what we're doing for something that might be more managed by them. So uh, I think the asset management, you know, I think that they're doing a great job, you know, kind of really breaking open that nut that's always been a problem. Um, you know, I, obviously, you can go further and further and further. Asset management—it's like it's like one of these like um, what's the Russian doll, Sikorsky doll? Right. <laughs> Where you just like peel one off, and then it's like, oh, well, then there's another one, and then there's another one. I think a lot of things in our industry are like that, right? You're like, 
you know, it's just this onion skin where there's just layers after layers and layers. And what I, I think people struggle with is, is they, they don't have the tools to get past the first outer layer to even start to the second or the third or the fourth or all the way deep inside. And, and that's what the resources allows them to do is peel away the layers that, you know, are bigger and broader and, and allow, you know, us as, as, as clients to be able to get to those unique, you know, scenarios. So, um, yeah, that's my take on asset management. You know, we do a lot of it. You know, we have this thing called the ZFB. It's kind of our file browser. It's a bunch of tools that are not too dissimilar to some of the toolkits tools. And one of the things we recently deployed in it actually this year was a cache browser. And the cache browser allows us to browse um, cache, cache assets. So it's basically, you know, did the you know the particle caches from Maya fluids, from Krakatoa, from Phoenix, um, from you know Maya particles, you know, and then being able to figure out which one's the most current one, and you know what's the status of it? Do I need to keep it? Do I need to delete it? Do I need to transfer it via Espera to two locations? Do I need to have it you know staged so a team of artists in Los Angeles and a team of artists in Vancouver or and or New York can use that same asset because it's not just a geometry asset; it's a particle asset or you know, another case scenario of something very sophisticated that we've done for asset management is, is a lot of people don't have a really strong vaulting system, right? The, the show gets archived, the textures go away, the model goes away, they bought libraries from Digimation, they bought libraries from DOS Designs. Well, we basically found a way to kind of put all that inside a shotgun, use shotgun filtering mechanisms to really pull down those assets. So, for example, I'm starting on a show. It's a pitch. I need a 3D model. I'm looking for a tank. Put in a tag work for tank. Oh, I found all these models of tank. Okay, import it into mine. Got it. Got a tank. Great. I need an HDR. Okay, categories HDR. Find something that's in the desert. Oh, look, there's a tag for desert. Ah, here's these three. Import into Maya. Done. Oh, here's another example. I ate, was it IES lights? So we're using Reray, and we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of all these real-world IES lights. Let's say I'm doing a studio lighting scenario. Well, a lot of these tools are fragmented to kind of look at these IES. We've injected them into shotgun. We've made film strips for all these IES lights inside of a, a room with a light. And so the artist can, say, can go look into our depot, which is using shotgun as a back end, and say, oh, I want that IES light. I want a 1,000-watt bulb import and it just comes in and all of that is done with a backbone of shotgun as an asset manager in this case it's not really it's more like a vaulting manager than an asset manager but my point is there's so many really interesting ways to what you can do with shotgun because they make the entities you know the web that you can kind of weave it, it they're going to give you a, a starting point for that web that you weave um, but there's all these generic entities where you can define them to do whatever you want. And that's what we've done for years. Said, so, oh, I got these 20 entities. I want one for my vault. I want one for my plugins. I want one for my license management. I want one for storage management. And, and that's what's really, really, really flexible uh, about Shotgun. And that's how asset management becomes you know, that much broader in terms of how you manage it. So. Well, I guess time will tell, as with all of these things, um, uh, how things will go. But I really appreciate really your will. perspective <laughs> on the uh, on the issue because it's a, it's a really important thing. I mean, it would be a very poor uh, situation for the industry if something happened to Shotgun. I think we've become mm-hmm. uh, kind of <laughs> uh, very much accustomed to having it around. So uh, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, the, the plus we'll... side too, you know, just to just to FYI, is is that you know studios 
they're always wanting to find, you know, okay, are you a producer? Do you know shotgun? Are you a coordinator? Do you know shotgun? This kind of continues to legitimize, legitimize shotgun and it makes it easier for us as facilities to find able bodies to kind of help on projects where we need to scale, right? Hmm. Yeah, you know? absolutely. It's incredibly important because you just can't staff up quickly enough to train up everybody on, on everything. Yeah. yeah. The commonality so, of it is important. You know, all of this spreads out to things like digital tutor libraries on how to use shotgun for producers, digital tutor libraries on how to use shotgun as an artist. You know, I just, I, I think what happens is, you know, I'm hoping that we see a snowball of adoptions and, and integrations, and, um, and that's a plus to me. You know, as a facility that wants to kind of pick and choose, you know, the battles in which we want to invest our, our development time, you know, and, and then have, in turn, you know, ways to tie that into, you know, systems that we might not have other been tied into. Maybe, you know, maybe Final Draft that does scripts gets really excited about this thing, and now all of a sudden they have resources to kind of integrate scripts into the shotgun. So now we have that. Or there's so many different avenues. I, I'm very hopeful. Um, you know, I've seen over the years... Um, that our shotgun servers slowed down because of the volume of data that we're putting into it. And my hope is, is that this gives them the resources they need to do some of those really important overhauls, mm -hmm. you know, and um, it gives them the ability to take the legacy uh, of shotgun users and, 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 and quick and transition them into more efficient workflows, whether it be, you know, faster tables um, and or, you know, mobile devices. It would be great to see an iOS device. Yeah, you it know, would. Where, <laughs> where we could see some of this data inside of iOS. So, you know, maybe all of this leads to that, you know, and, um, and or, you know, makes those things better and, and whatnot. So uh, my, I think it's a plus. Yeah. Well, thanks again for talking to us. It's always a, a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much. Yeah, you too. Take care. Appreciate it. Well, to round out our industry perspective on this rather surprising uh, move by Autodesk uh, with Shotgun, well, I guess not that surprising if we, if we knew that they'd previously invested in Shotgun, but certainly for many of us, a surprising acquisition is uh, Lincoln Wallen. Now, Lincoln is the CTO of DreamWorks Animation, as I said a moment ago, and his view, that of a major studio, is of course pivotal in the uh, sort of overall roundtable of how the industry will react to this acquisition by Autodesk of Shotgun? I mean, in general, I mean, Shotgun, I think Shotgun has done, and Dan, uh, I'm sorry, has done a, you know, a pretty good job of um, sort of listening to their customers evolving their product in a very, very tricky area. Um, one that takes great sort of sensitivity and deep understanding of, of how you know, how these projects run, how companies are organized, what the needs are, and so on and so forth. And um, not surprisingly, they've had more success, you know, with the smaller smaller companies, smaller projects, smaller pipelines, because that's sort of, it's easier to get your heads around a lot of those complexities. The, the other side of the, of the equation is that when you sort of look at the larger, uh, larger studios uh, like ourselves, we're talking here about systems that we run our business on. So the criticality of those systems and the therefore the security of the supply 
has been and always will be a really you know critical question. So when you get a small startup sort of knocking on your door around this area, um, there are those sort of business continuity challenges and um, you know how long are they going to be around? Are they you know are they overwhelmed by support? All those sorts of issues. So to my mind, um, this sort of um, step that Autodesk and uh, Shotgun are taking really establishes Shotgun as a very, very viable sort of solution in this sort of workflow area. And this is the most, this is the hardest place to sell technology into organizations regardless of the organization. So it takes, it takes a long time, it takes um, deep understanding, and it takes uh, commitment you know, for the long haul to actually make a successful product. And Don has shown that from his vantage point. And now, you know, with the with the backing of Autodesk, I think, um, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect the whole industry and for the better, to be honest. And so the one caveat, the one warning, obviously, is, you know, now being subject to the larger company um, strategies and um, economics, it's really important that um, uh, what's been successful for Don, um, that Autodesk preserves that and doesn't essentially, you know, um, uh, interfere or trash with the approach that, that Don and his team have taken to how they've been successful, how they respond to feedback, the nature of their product, and, and you know, the almost the user-based evolution of that project through the sort of app the app model is a it's it's a much more open model potentially that um, that they've made successful and I'd love to see that lead into and continued by Autodesk. Um, I have no no reason to to believe that um, Autodesk doesn't see exactly that that value themselves and you know potentially Shotgun has an opportunity to change some of the philosophies in uh, in Autodesk itself because of their success. But broadly speaking. You know, I see this as a, as a great move for Autodesk. It's a great move for Shotgun if they can preserve the way they operate and gain all the benefits of the scale of Autodesk and, um, yet, yeah, you know, bring to that company the, uh, the expertise and uh, approach that they've been successful at today. Thank you, viewer. Yeah, so just from a, an overview point of view, how much do you, how far is your pipeline committed to Shotgun? Is it throughout? Is um, it just in parts of it? Um, we right now we think that um, you know shotgun is an extremely good solution for production managers, and in that regard, um, you know we we've deployed it on a movie, um, and um, certainly you know are looking at how we broaden that deployment to um, most of the you know most of the production management in the studio. So in that regard, we're we're comfortable with it and so on. I think the the question about how production management integrates with pipeline and literally how the data moves and how the how the movie is made from an artist perspective is a much, much more tricky um, question. Uh, for simple pipelines in smaller companies, um, that's you know, it's less less of a headache. For us we operate over many sites. Um, uh, you know, we, we operate a cloud model internally. Um, uh, you know, we have, our aspirations really stretch to really tight integration between tool sets, pipelines, and production management. So 
it plays a role in that pipeline. It's not, you know, um, it, it, it's it's not the it's not the fabric on which we on which we run. If, you, if that makes sense. Right, but in terms of project management, crew planning, um, project timelines, yes. that's where you're using it. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I think where you know where we will where we would press them is towards some of the um, you know, some of the areas that uh, are quite tricky when you're juggling multiple projects. So resource management, for example, hmm. um, and scenarios. These are some capabilities which aren't in the existing you know shotgun offering. But it would be great if they you know, uh, could find the resource and time to actually build functionality of that kind. And again, these are these are some problems that uh, many companies, certainly if they have multiple clients, if they're a supplier or if they're a larger studio of multiple projects, certainly have to deal with. You know, who, who who goes on what for what period of time? You know, ultimately that that becomes integrated into financial planning um, as well as you know back out into HR and contract planning and so on and so forth. So we're really talking about, you know, how an operation runs from soup to nuts, ultimately, you know, wanting to piece that together in a very coherent fashion. As your um, CTO, can I just ask you, do you, does your team take advantage of the uh, uh, API? Do you, like, have uh, developers that are producing their own kind of, uh, or using the engines and, and uh, development tools? Um, for shotgun, yeah, um, we do. We do have on the movie that's deployed. Um, yes, we've done some integration and some development against the API. I think the one of the things I'm looking for um, in this in this merger, so to speak, is increased focus on the let's say the enterprise robustness of the entire toolset. Okay. So you know, addressing questions such as replication, distribution. Uh, operational concerns that really come to the fore when you're operating at the sort of scale we operate at. These haven't been the, you know, at the forefront of shotguns' mind because they haven't needed that. Um, but um, so the reason I mention that is because the the, the the question you ask in terms of um, utilizing APIs also means that the um, uh, shotgun um, you know, APIs to data sets is one thing. APIs to functionality is another because now you know, the, the shotgun runtime is introduced into into processes that in some cases need to run at massive scale. So um, how that architecture is put together is really important. Another example is just messaging and, you know, communications in, you know, around our studio has to, has to, has to be done cognizant of, um, access parameters, different domains, different network domains, replication, uh, multicasting. There's all sorts of characteristics that um, we need to attend to, but with some of these underlying systems, and integrating those into Shotgun certainly is relatively straightforward. Um, for a smaller studio, Shotgun itself provides almost a central, you know, point of record. Um, that becomes less so as you get into a more complex production environment. Yeah, I mean, it's much easier for a smaller facility to adopt Shotgun's methodology than it is necessarily for the tool to adopt a methodology of a studio as established as yours. I think that's right, but I think the way that they've built the product, I mean, again, you know, started with the, with the area that I would say delivers you know, enormous value to our production managers um, in terms of uh, the types of tasks they have to conduct. 
And so it really is a matter of integration to make sure that that information and the um, activity of the production management on, on the one hand can drive production, and on the other hand that we, that we can expose um, uh, information, metrics, and so on um, back into the production management suite so that the production can be effectively controlled. Um, and, uh, you know, that two-way interplay of data is really important to us. Um, again, for a smaller studio, they can potentially put everything into an instance of shotgun and, um, and that will suffice for their needs. Yeah, I must admit, I hadn't really thought about that from the, your initial point. I mean, I was focused on the increase in R&D, but the, just the sheer um, commitment of a company your size to a smaller company and what happens if they suddenly went out of business on Thursday and we've got a two-year planning horizon on a feature. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, well, that is... Well, I think an... like, uh, and that's exactly right. I mean, we're, we're running multiple productions simultaneously and adopting a piece of technology is, a, first of all, it's a massive deployment exercise um, in, in change management. And once it's in, you know, obviously ensuring that continuity, which which is far longer than two years, you know, typically three or four, right. um, is a, is a, it's a business continuity concern. So it's fair to say that, you know, one of the positive things that I see as a large studio of this step that Shotgun and Autodesk are taking is that, is that many of those concerns are at least alleviated. Hmm. Yeah, no. I mean, Autodesk is a very substantial company, and uh, and you know, it, it it is definitely the case that uh, it's not even just the reality; it's the perception of reality and the concerns about what what if it's a bit more transparent at a larger company like Autodesk. I think that's right, and and keep in mind that Autodesk, the broader Autodesk, um, not the media and entertainment division to date, but the broader Autodesk has always followed a product lifecycle strategy. And um, Shotgun, to some extent, instantiates that strategy within the media and entertainment division. So this step is very much in keeping with Autodesk's broader corporate strategy. And therefore, you know, that makes me feel very, you know, very comfortable that um, they know what they're doing. They're not doing this for the short term. This becomes a significant element of the media and entertainment sort of portfolio, um, it's not just a sort of incidental acquisition, it's actually part of a much larger strategy which is shared by the other Autodesk divisions. So, and Chris Bradshaw, of course, has extensive experience with those other divisions, and I suspect that's one of the reasons why he's taking this step, because it's very familiar to him from um, the divisions that he's run in the past uh, outside of M&E. Bottom line is, I think it's, I think it's great. I think mean, it's great for Don. He's done a great job, and um, it's good for Autodesk. And the combination should be more powerful. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Thank you very much. We do appreciate your time. Okay, take care. Well, thanks to Mike and all three of our guests. As I said at the beginning, we wanted to chat with users about how they feel about Shotgun and the move to Autodesk. And I think these guests were just perfect for doing that. Thanks so much. I think Ben put it in a great perspective with his comments about just how important he feels project management is to helping make him more efficient and have more time for iterations and doing the real work. I also want to point out Mike Romy's comments about even using Shotgun for time cards and direct connect to payroll. If you're ever looking for a way to get your artist to use a database, make it required for getting information beyond the shots, and in fact, for even getting paid. You'll be amazed how even the worst offenders of not using these tools fall right into line. At the beginning of this podcast, I mentioned fxphd.com, and I would encourage you to visit there and see what's new. 
Also, over the years, people have asked us for ways to support FX Guide and all the stuff that we do. So we created the FX Insider membership program that offers insiders exclusive access to expanded content and articles for only $49 a year. It's a way for people who care about visual effects and the work that we do here at FX Guide to help us continue and grow. Details at fxguide.com. Click the FX Insider tab. This has been the FX Podcast. We also do two other audio podcasts. The VFX Show reviews visual effects and current releases, as well as classic films. And the RC Podcast covers the ever-changing landscape of digital cinematography. We also produce a high-definition video podcast, FX Guide TV. You can find all of these along with in-depth articles, news, and more at fxguide.com. Well, that'll do it for this episode. For my partners, Mike Seymour and John Montgomery, I'm Jeff Huser. We'll see you on the next FX Podcast. Please let us know if you have any suggestions for stories or future podcasts. You can reach us by clicking the Contact Us link at the top of the homepage. This podcast is copyright FX Guide, LLC. Broadcast or redistribution is prohibited without the expressed written consent of FX Guide.